A very good evening and a very warm welcome to Beckles Baptist Church here online uh, to our evening service. My privilege to welcome you this evening. My name is Tom Fenning. I serve as the pastor of this church and I'm going to be leading our service a little bit later on. I'll be handing over to Kevin Mannion, one of the members of our church here, who is going to be preaching as we continue our series looking at the book of 1 John, a series we've entitled Confident Christianity. As we say every week, we are going to continue to meet here on our church YouTube channel each week until we are able to meet physically here in the church building. Um, we'd encourage you please to subscribe to the channel so that you're kept up to date with the news of services as they come up and any other things that we put up online too. Well, to set the tone, I'm going to read some verses from Psalm 112. The, the Psalms are the hymn book in the Bible, and they give great expression to how we can be people who trust God and what it looks like to be people who trust God. This is what Psalm 112 says to us. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Our world seems full and fit of bad news a lot of the time. But if we're those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are those described as people who have their hearts as steadfast and secure and who have no fear of bad news. Not that the bad news doesn't hurt, but, but in the bad news we have God who remains our refuge, our strength, our rescuer, our father, our king. And we're going to turn to him in prayer before we go any further. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the reminder that those who put their trust in you need not fear bad news because our ultimate security hinges on you and your sovereignty. It hinges on you and your steadfast love. Thank you that that love and sovereignty are revealed most clearly and most wonderfully in the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus and trusting in him today, we want to say our hearts are steadfast. They are secure. Father, we pray, please, that you would help us grow in our trust of you this day. That there might be deeper confidence in our lives live following the Lord Jesus. And for any who are joining us this evening who don't know the Lord Jesus, and who sense that their hearts are far from steadfast, far from secure, might they learn what it means to trust you so that they might not be people who fear bad news, but instead look to you as their king. And these things we ask, pleading for blessing and encouragement, pleading for forgiveness of our many sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we read the Bible, and before Kev comes to preach on it for us, we are going to... Sing now. A song called Your Word is going to come up on the screen. It's a song that we've sung numerous times here in the church building and it will helpfully set the tone 
reminding us why it is that we, we week by week turn back to look in the Bible, because it is here that God's life-giving word comes to us. Uh, if you'd like to sing along, hey, that would be great, but if you'd rather just watch and reflect on the words as they come on the screen, you can do that too. good it's ever faithful worth more than gold the heart's delight your word gives life to all who hear and obey your word endures forever your word is true it never changes it formed the Sustains it still. Your word defends, providing refuge and strength. Your word endures forever. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my Just 
Well, having sung about God's living word, the Bible, we're now going to turn to read it. And Jane is going to read this passage for us. It comes from 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, through to chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Good evening. We do welcome you to our evening service, and uh, we're going to pray now before we look at 1 John. So let's just pray. Father, we really do pray very much that the message which is given will be empowered by your Holy Spirit, so that as we hear it, even though it's online, even though we're not together in body, that Father would be together in spirits, seeking to become more like you. May what is said be totally and completely to your glory. Amen. I wonder if you've ever asked anybody what a Christian is. Sometimes in your witnessing. You may be telling them that you're a Christian, but they may actually not know what a Christian is. Now, I've asked the question, given, been given various answers, such as they're a good person, they're a person who believes in God, they're a person who goes to church, they're charitable. Those are the polite answers I've had. Some of them have not been so polite. But we're looking at one John continuing our series and we're focusing on 1 John chapter 2 verse 28 to 3 verse 10 
as we've had read to us by Jane. And it would be very useful, because we would be looking at the verses quite intensively, it would be very useful if you had your Bible open at that chapter and at those verses. Because here it says what a Christian is. If I look at chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Children of God. It's a phrase, perhaps, as Christians, we've heard many, many times. But we can't brush it aside. We mustn't just recognise it and think it's worth nothing. God has lavished his love upon us, lavished it. I looked at the meaning of what lavished means. And it means to bestow something in extravagant quantities. To bestow something in extravagant quantities. Now, my mum used to make the best apple pie that you could ever imagine. The pastry absolutely melted in your mouth. But even better was what came next. It was her custard. Her custard was thick and golden and we used to pour it from a jug and the trick was to cover the huge piece of apple pie with the custard. Now I say this because in doing that we were lavishing the apple pie with custard. And I once spoke to somebody and they didn't actually know what lavished meant. So I thought it was necessary in an explanation. When I was very young, I decided I wanted to play the piano. My father played the piano, but that wasn't what inspired me. It was something more than that. Now, when I wanted to play the piano, I thought, well, I'll practice and I'll be taught. And eventually I came to a point where I took my grade one piano exam. I can't remember what marks I've got, but I do have the certificate. And as a young man, I was very proud of the certificate. I was only a boy, probably about eight, seven, eight years old. And that certificate was mounted on our wall in our home in Worcester, and I'd earned it. I definitely earned that certificate. That certificate was proof that I had passed my grade one exam. Now, I'm going to go through three signs, three characteristics that show that we are children of God. I want us to regard them as being certificates, like certificates that God has given to us. These certificates are not earned, they're given. You don't earn Christianity. Here are the three certificates. Let's have a look at number one. From this passage, true Christians have been born Again, true Christians have been born again. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 29, which says this. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. And in chapter 3, verse 9, says this. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Born of God means the same as being born again or born of the Holy Spirit or even born from above. And surely the phrase being born again makes us think of Nicodemus' visit to Jesus in John 
chapter 3. Background here is Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And as a Pharisee, he was teaching the doctrine from the Old Testament. And some of the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees, opposed Jesus. To the extent that eventually it became violent. Now this man... Nicodemus visited Jesus at night because he was concerned about what the other Pharisees were going to think about him. Now he had some questions around Jesus, was going a little bit roundabout, not quite sure what he was asking, but Jesus says this in verse 3. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Do you see? We're born again, born from above. That is a gift of God. We haven't earned birth. A baby doesn't earn birth. So we need to know what being born again means. Well, it could take a lot of explanation, but I'll try and put it simply from mine and other people's experiences and from the Bible. At some point, somebody who's become a Christian will realise that they've done things wrong. They're sin. They've sinned before God. And they deserve his punishment for that sin. God is a God of wrath. And punishment is right. There has to be justice in the world. They will have realised this and come to a point where they realise that they've got no hope. They've got no hope. And that's, as I realised from a sermon I heard when I was 16 that my destiny was hell. However, Christ Jesus took that punishment for me. I realise that. If you look at 3 verse 5, it says this, but you know that he appeared so that he may take away our sins. And in him is no sin. The he referring in this passage to Jesus. So he was my substitute, as Christians know. The punishment was upon him both physically and mentally, but also spiritually. God punished him for my sin. And a Christian realises that that is enough and a Christian repents, they turn back and they say, God, please help me. I can do nothing myself to save myself. And at that point, sometimes some people remember it, sometimes other people can't put a date on it, I, I almost can. They receive the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit within them, that character of God which can come into our lives and change us. And that's being saved by grace. We've got to understand that everything is of God. And we are born again, born of the Holy Spirit. And this will need us naturally. So this is also a characteristic of being born again or a characteristic of the Christian. It's a Bible study. I can remember the Bible, which I did find interesting before I became a Christian, came alive. And the stories had purpose and meaning. And I personally knew Jesus. So it was anticipated that every day I would look at the scripture and I really enjoyed it. It will lead us to prayer as well. 
you find yourself not saying vague prayers, but prayers to somebody who you know personally, because you are a child of God. And it will lead us to evangelism. Now, on Friday morning, we went down the markets, myself and Peter. It's lovely to see people. Some were old friends who called by. But I had the opportunity to state the full gospel, actually, to two people. One was an ex-student, another lady I didn't know. And I felt wonderful because I was speaking the gospel of God. And that's something of knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. You want to tell other people. I know it's difficult sometimes. It really, really is. But overall, we have that desire. So we are born again. The second characteristic, or certificate, if you like, that God gives us, is that true Christians will look for Christ's second coming. If we have a look at chapter 2, verse 28, John says this, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Jesus came. Jesus came and we read about him in the New Testament. And he died, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. But he's coming again. He's coming again to collect his people. Now Christians, when that happens, as this verse shows, will be unashamed, will be welcoming. We will be overjoyed at Jesus coming again because he is the person we want to meet and we will finally be called home. In the light of this, Christians will aim to look to become more and more like what a child of God is. If you have a look at 3 verse 3, all who have this hope, the hope of Christ returning, in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Now a little bit about that in a few minutes' time. But it does mean the Holy Spirit is saying to us, become more like Jesus. He's coming again. If you've tuned in and you're not a Christian, then this is a warning. And it's a very important warning. Because those who aren't Christians, when Jesus comes again, will be terrified. Isaiah Chapter 2, verse 10 says this, it's the day of the Lord. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendour of his majesty. They will be terrified and it will be too late for them. Now you've got to understand that. And I, in becoming a Christian, was at one point frightened. I was frightened by judgment and God's justice. And that is a natural thing that we fear, particularly before we become Christians. So I do give you a warning, but I give you a warning I hope you can take in love, that we need to understand and fear God, because God is all-powerful. We try and make God in the image that we want him to be, but he's all-powerful, and he is the God of justice as well as love. Indeed, the two are married together. Please, please, please consider the Christian faith very carefully.
My third point, my third certificate that we're given by God to show that we're Christians is this, a real Christian will not continue to sin. Now, if you look at chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. That's very hard hitting. If you look at chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says this, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed, meaning the deposit of the Holy Spirit, remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Now, when I first read this, when I was much younger, it rather scared me. And it does seem that John, the writer of this letter, is actually arguing against himself. If you look at 1 John 1 verse 8, it says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So John is clearly saying there that as Christians, because he's writing to Christians, we are sinners. But here it's saying we will not continue to sin. Well, how this is understood, and how I understand this, is that a Christian will not continue to habitually sin. They will not make a habit of sinning. And that needs to be understood. So, for example, let me give me an example of a chap called Fred. I do know Fred. Fred is a real person, but the name's been changed. So, Fred, ordinary sort of guy, quite a lot of friends, quite happy in his teens. But like the rest of the lads around him, he swore a lot. And even worse, like the rest of the lads around him, he blasphemed. Fred also had quite a temper. In some ways, Fred was quite proud of his temper because it was known. And people, when he lost his temper, was back off. It was almost like a superpower. I don't know whether you've been close to somebody who's really lost their temper, but it's actually quite terrifying, even if it's not directed at you. And Fred enjoyed this sense of power. But through the witness of a friend, Fred became a Christian. It was wonderful. What changed immediately was that Fred found no feeling of the desire to blaspheme anymore. That went very, very quickly from his life. Fred also stopped swearing. Now, he did think it, but he wasn't saying it out loud, and he found as he got older he thought it less and less. But Fred still had his temper. He found as the years went by that no longer did he think of it as some sort of superpower or something to say, well, that came from my mother's side. He began to see that he wasn't to take up the characteristic of his family, but to take up the characteristic of his Christian family, the characteristic of being anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, 
In other words, he was going to change to become more like his father. So when Fred lost his temper, he felt ashamed. And gradually, he lost the habit of losing that, temp that temper. How did he do that? Through prayer, through accountability to friends who prayed for him. And also, he came up with strategies. He could see when he was getting wound up, when it was likely to happen. He could also see more as he went on and as he grew older as a Christian, other people's point of view. And that actually people weren't trying to make him lose his temper on purpose. Now, Fred still has a temper in the background, but it's very rare that he loses it. Do you see, Fred didn't want to make a habit of sinning. Now, maybe we need to change our strategies. It might be that you're addicted to something that you watch. Maybe you need to do something to deal with that, perhaps move the computer into an area where others in the house, others in the family, also can see what you're doing. Maybe have accountability with a friend who will ask you, and somebody you trust, each week, how's it gone? What have you viewed? Maybe you have a trouble with drink. And I've known people in churches who are secret drinkers. Again, you need to have some accountability and say, please, just pray for me. You don't have to tell everybody in the church, but tell somebody. Maybe you don't love as you should do. Well, pray and ask people to pray for that as well and act upon it. Christians will do right and love God's family. That's part of the fruit that's coming through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, with the implication that God's child, which is a Christian, will do what is right. And secondly, if we carry on with the verse, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. That's not acting as God's child. So the implication is that God's child, which is us as Christians, will love their brothers and sisters. Now, we've seen a lot of that during this very difficult period with the coronavirus. I've received that love myself. People pop round and give me a book or brought a cake or just chatted or phoned me up. Like all people, I've had a wobble. I had a wobble last weekend. It was really the first one. But for a couple of days, I was really not quite sure where I was. But there's people to talk to. And there's been an amazing amount of love given from the church. As we heard last week, or as we were challenged last week, we may be to do that little bit more. Now, here's a practical thing that we could do. If you think about it, we come to church on Sunday mornings normally and we see many people. Now, what I challenge you to do is go down through the phone directory or the prayer list and see who you have not spoken to for now over three months. That's not right, is it? We should be speaking to our brothers and our sisters. 
And it's a challenge, and I'm trying to do it myself, to ring them up. And if you're worried about the use of the phone, some people are, just to text them or to drop them a card or send a card to tell them that you're praying for them and that you love them in Jesus. That would be so brilliant. And we need to encourage one another. We really, really do need to encourage one another. Encouragement is very powerful, particularly if some people are in situations that they find quite difficult, perhaps being on their own, perhaps having the children indoors all day, 24-7. Let's increase our love for the fellowship. I firmly believe that the more ties we make with each other, in other words, phone calls, contacts, the stronger we will be, particularly when we come back. This isn't a gap when we just tread water. This is a time when we can grow as a church and show Jesus so much more. I'll leave you with some encouragement. It's difficult, isn't it, being a Christian? It's a spiritual warfare. But Christ came to destroy the devil's work. If you look at 3 verse 8, it says clearly that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Isn't that fantastic? Now, the world, as in Satan's dominion, is completely opposite to God's kingdom. And Satan wants to destroy us. Let's not beat around the bush. That is his whole ideal. But we have no need to fear. Jesus came to destroy him. The battle has been won. The war has been won. We are in Christ. And we have the glory and we have the victory. Do you have those certificates, those pretend certificates? Are you born again? Born from the Spirit? Are you looking for Christ's second coming? Are you in a position where you are not committing habitual sin? You are trying to change in God's power. If so, you are a child of the living God. He loves you. A few years ago, in my job as a teacher, I think the government had an initiative where all teachers had to prove they'd actually been educated. Now, I've been a teacher over 30 years, so I don't know how they got through without that. But I looked for my certificate because the secretary asked me to show my university certificate. I couldn't find it. I really got quite nervous about it. I thought, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to lose my job? Fortunately, the secretary found, and she was very kind, a letter to show that I'd been to Leicester University and got a degree in biology. But you know, I lost my certificate. My certificate was lost. These certificates that I've spoken about, being born again, looking for Christ's second coming, and not continuing to sin, will never be lost. They're from God. They're not earned, they're from God. Please don't go away from this service thinking you can become an unchristian. That would make Jesus a bad shepherd, and that's not right. Everything to become a Christian has been given to us. Even the faith to believe is a gift from God. We can rest assured 
that we are Christians if we have those certificates. And we can continue to fight to become more like Jesus day by day. Amen. Let's just close in prayer. Dear Father, thank you for all you've taught us in Scripture. Thank you for the assurance we can have from the knowledge that we're born again, that we're looking for Christ's second coming and that we're not continuing to sin. We are changing. Help us to help one another to not continue to sin and help us to help one another when so sadly we can't meet together as a fellowship. And we pray, though, that through this tough time, this strange time, this surreal time, that Beckles Baptist Church and other churches will grow and become more like Christ. Amen. Well, having heard God's word preached to us, it is right that we respond to what we have heard in song. The next song we're going to sing is called Amazing Grace. Um, this has been performed by uh, the music group from Christchurch Dunstable. They've kindly let us use uh, this recording of the track um, and pray it will do as good as we sing of God's amazing grace to us. Oh, my God.
Before we turn to talk to God in prayer, we are going to hear from Ben Twiss, who is the pastor of Christ Church Camborne. This is a church near Cambridge that we partner with here as a church and often pray for them. Ben is just going to update us on how they are doing in the midst of the lockdown restrictions and how particularly we can be praying for them. And then we're going to spend some time pleading to God on their behalf. Hello, Beckles Baptist Church. My name is Ben Twiss. I am the pastor of Christchurch Camborne, a small church plant in a town of Camborne, just west of Cambridge. And it's such a privilege to be one of your global mission partners. We are so thankful for you as a church, so thankful for your continued encouragement towards us, for our partnership in the gospel, and so thankful that today you are willing and able to pray for us in your own home. So I thought you'd just send you this short video that... Uh, is going to go encourage you, inform you of how you can pray uh, for us under three headings, which happen to be our church aims. At Christ Church, we strive to do three things. We want to love the Lord Jesus more and more. We want to love one another as a church family, and we want to love the community, serving the people around us and seeking to share the gospel with them. So let me give you some specifics that you can be praying for us under those three headings. Okay. First of all, in terms of loving the Lord Jesus, please join me in thanking God for our latest sermon series in the Lord's Prayer. We have been so encouraged just to be reminded that the God that we pray to is our Father. He's our Father in heaven who knows us, who knows what we need, who cares for us, who always does what is best for us. And so we reorientate our prayers towards his glory and towards our deepest needs. And that has done us so much good. We're thankful that God's word is not bound at this time, that his spirit still works in people's hearts and has really built us up uh, to love him more. More specifically, could I ask you to pray for Richard uh, uh, the other elder here that serves alongside me at Christchurch, he is such a dear brother in Christ who encourages the church in so many ways. And during this lockdown period, he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, he has an operation on the 3rd of July uh, to remove a tumour from his bladder. And it would be great if you could pray for him, Richard, and his wife, Sandra, that during this kind of uncertain time, they would really know the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ for them. Pray too that we would love them well and that of course brings us on to the second uh, heading that we would love one another as a church family. Please just pray that we will continue to do that. I'm sure uh, your experience at Beckles has been much the same as ours that some people have really loved this lockdown period, some people have really struggled with this lockdown period and we want to love each other despite our different experiences so we'd love you to pray that we would strive to really understand one another's joys and sorrows, uh, that we would empathise with them, even if we don't share them, and that we would continue to speak the truth in love into people's situations uh, with great sensitivity and care, uh, seeking to build each other up. So please pray that we'd love one another well. You can also pray for our Sunday gatherings. Obviously, we're not gathering at the moment. Uh, we don't know when we'll be able to gather what that will look like so please pray for wisdom particularly for me and Richard as we lead the church in terms of our Sunday gatherings. Lastly under the heading of uh, loving the community we have been so encouraged uh, because at the start of lockdown 
knowing that people had more contact with their neighbours, we encouraged everyone here, every member here, to have a conversation with their neighbours uh, to say, look, if you could ask God one question, uh, what would it be? And then to send us their responses and... Uh, we are now running a series of apologetics talks seeking to answer the most popular uh, responses from uh, people in the community here. So from next Sunday, we're, we're posting three short talks on our Facebook page answering the questions. Um, how can I get to heaven? Why is there so much suffering? And what is the meaning of life? Please pray that people would watch those. Uh, that they would engage with those, that they would lead to more fruitful conversations uh, here and that people would sign up for an online Christianity Explored course uh, that we are going to start running soon. Ultimately, please pray that people would come to know our great Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, for themselves. Thank you so much for praying. We really appreciate it. Uh, just before you do so, let me pray for you. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 3 onwards says we always thank God the Father our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you've heard before in the word of truth the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth let me pray father thank you so much for the gospel of the lord jesus christ thank you that we have a sure and certain hope that is laid up in heaven for us and that results in us loving you and loving one another father we pray that this gospel would bear fruit just as it is doing in across the whole world it would bear fruit both in camborne and in beckles Father, we pray for uh, Tom and Peter, uh, particularly as they preach your word. We pray that your spirit would continue to work and that people would continue to grow. Father, we pray for um, this story course that Peter's running uh, as your word goes out into the town of Beckles in that way. Father, we ask that people would be saved and that would be a huge encouragement uh, to your church in Beckles. We thank you for them and we pray that you would continue to grow them and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to hear from Ben. It's good to get their news. Um, and it's even better, isn't it, to pray for them. So let's bow our heads and let's pray for them. And we'll also pray for things closer to home. Father, we love those verses in Colossians that say all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruits and growing. And thank you that the good news about the Lord Jesus is bearing fruit and growing in the lives and in the witness of Christ Church Camborne. Father, we thank you so much for the blessing and encouragement of recent sermon series there. Thank you for the blessing it's been for them to look at the Lord's Prayer, the way in which it has expanded their capacity to pray, the way in which it has urged them to trust you. And we pray that they would continue to be a church that lives dependent upon you and able to pray big prayers that you might be pleased to see your kingdom come, your will be done and your name to be honoured in them as a church. Father, we want to thank you very much for the leaders that you've placed over Christchurch Camborne. Thank you for Ben Twiss 
and the godly way in which he serves as a pastor of that church. Please would you continue to help him lead with humility and grace. And Father, we want to pray very especially for Richard, his fellow elder, who's been recently diagnosed with cancer. Father, that breaks our hearts to see um, this diagnosis come Richard's way. And we want to pray ahead of his operation in July that that would go smoothly, that the doctors would have great skill and that all of the cancer would be able to be removed and that further treatment might be effective in putting this cancer into remission. Now, Father, praying for his good medical treatment, we'd pray bigger prayers than that and we'd plead with you that you might even heal him besides medical intervention. Thank you that you can do that. We plead, if it is your will, that you would do that. Father, we pray your comfort to Richard and his wife Sandra at this time. Father, we pray, please, for your blessing on the new ventures the church is wanting to run. They're wanting to run a Christianity Explore course. They're going to be running a sermon series looking at questions that people often ask of the Christian faith. Please would you bless all of their hard work in these regards. And would people come to put their faith in the Lord Jesus through these things? And we pray too that you just help the church work well in seeking to care for people who are finding our current circumstances really difficult. Help Ben, help Richard, help everyone work really well to seek to reach out and care for one another as they are able. And Father, might they continue to be salt and light where you have placed them. Father, as we pray for Christchurch Camborne, we also want to pray on please for your mercy to us as a church. Please, Father, would you help us to be salt and light where you have placed us. Might we be people who shine like stars in the universe, in this dark world. And we pray that people might come to know of the Lord Jesus, even through us. And to that end, we continue to pray for Story, uh, this online course for people who are looking into the Christian faith. Please would you bless the second and final session on Wednesday. Father, in a moment of silence, we pause just to remember people in particular points of need in our church family. There are many people who need our prayers. And so in the silence, we mention them to you now. Thank you, Father, that you know all of the people that we have mentioned and you know their circumstances. Please provide all that they need and be merciful to them. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our service is almost concluded. I just want to mention a few notices before we end. Um, As ever, with each of our services, we've put together for this service a playlist of songs that will help you reflect on what we've heard help you uh, sing out your praise to God in light of his grace to us in his son, the Lord Jesus. That that playlist of songs is available on our YouTube channel. Uh, Some events for the week ahead. Uh, The first thing to say is that Story, uh, this course that Peter Skerritt, our assistant pastor, has been running, happens again this coming Wednesday at 8pm. We had a good time the first time round. Peter had four people join him uh, for that evening Please do pray on for it, but also if you'd like to come, um, then please do get in contact with Peter via
via his email address or by the inquiry form on the website. And if you've got friends that you're still hoping to invite, then please do that. They're very welcome to come to the second session, even if they didn't manage to get along to the first. That story on Wednesday at 8pm. Then on Thursday, our midweek meeting is our home groups. Um, these again are largely meeting on Zoom, but there's a slight change in how home groups are working this week. Your home group leaders will be in touch with you to let you know how that will happen. Um, and then finally to mention next Sunday, we meet again both in the morning at 10.30 and then in the evening at 6.30. Our 10.30 service is an all-age service, at which I'm going to be preaching, and we're going to start a new series looking at the book of Esther. So do join us then, if you can. Then at 6.30, our evening service, Peter Skerritt, our assistant pastor, will be preaching as we continue to work our way through the book of 1 John. We hope to see you then, and we'd urge you to continue to take all the opportunities you can to reach out and care for one another, urge you as the restrictions continue to be eased, as we're able to meet in one another's gardens this week, why don't you try and take the chance to do just that? Well, as we conclude, why don't we bow our heads and we'll close with a final prayer from the Bible. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.